Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is Monday of the 27th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who in the abundance of your kindness surpass the merits and the desires of those who entreat you. Pour out your mercy upon us to pardon what conscience dreads and to give what prayer does not dare to ask. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. I am astonished at the promptness with which you have turned away from the one who called you and have decided to follow a different version of the good news. Not that there can be more than one good news, it is merely that some troublemakers among you want to change the good news of Christ. And let me warn you that if anyone preaches a version of the good news different from the one we have already preached to you, whether it be ourselves or an angel from heaven, He is to be condemned. I am only repeating what we told you before. If anyone preaches a version of the good news different from the one you have already heard, he is to be condemned. So now, whom am I trying to please, man or God? Would you say it is man's approval I am looking for? If I still wanted that, I should not be what I am, a servant of Christ. The fact is, brothers, I want you to realize this. The good news I preach is not a human message that I was given by men. It is something I learned only through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord will remember His covenant forever. The Lord will remember His covenant forever. I will thank the Lord with all my heart in the meeting of the just and their assembly. Great are the works of the Lord, to be pondered by all who love them. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. His works are justice and truth. His precepts are all of them sure. Standing firm forever and ever, they are made in uprightness and truth. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. He has sent deliverance to his people, and established his covenant forever. Holy his name, to be feared. 
His praise shall last forever. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. Alleluia, alleluia. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a lawyer who, to disconcert Jesus, stood up and said to him, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. You have answered right, said Jesus. Do this, and life is yours. But the man was anxious to justify himself and said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was once on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of brigands. They took all he had, beat him, and then made off, leaving him half dead. Now, a priest happened to be travelling down the same road, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite who came to the place saw him, and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan traveller, who came upon him, was moved with compassion when he saw him. He went up and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He then lifted him on his own mount, carried him to the inn, and looked after him. Next day, he took out two denarii and handed them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and on my way back, I'll make good any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbour to the man who fell into the brigand's hands? The one who took pity on him, he replied. Jesus said to him, Go and do the same yourself. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, but it's important to remember the question which gives rise to Jesus telling the story of the parable. The lawyer comes up to him and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then the scholar answers his own question, right? He says, well, you must love the Lord your God and your neighbour as yourself. But the lawyer then presses further for clarification. Who is my neighbour? Now, this is actually a question of some controversy. In the book of Leviticus, it says this about loving your neighbour. It says, You shall not take vengeance or bear any grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, there are differing interpretations from the book of Leviticus. Is my neighbour the one who belongs to my family or tribe? So the scholar of the law is asking Jesus to weigh in on this old debate. So the parable then is Jesus' response to this question about how to interpret the law and what the book of Leviticus seeks to instruct. And the upshot of the parable, therefore, is that one's neighbour is not simply the one who belongs to your group, but the one who is in need. And that's where you see this powerful difference between the Israelite who falls into the hands of brigands and the Samaritan who goes to his aid, not someone who belongs to his tribe or group or 
common identity. This commandment to love your neighbour extends beyond the ones who are familiar and the ones who are likeable and extends to the one in need, whoever that happens to be. So in the parable then, there are three particular attitudes on display, three main characters if you like. We see firstly the attitude of the brigands. They're the ones who stripped the traveller, beat him and left him half dead on the side of the road. This is the attitude of the ones who treat the other as an object, as a means to serve their own good. The other becomes the way by which I can enrich myself as long as I can overpower him and beat him down. The second attitude is demonstrated by the priest and the Levite. They see the man and pass by on the other side. And this is the great indifference shown towards the evil done by others and the sufferings that their victims endure. They're not bothered at the sight of the half-dead, and it doesn't cause them to deviate from their own interests and purposes. They remain indifferent. Then you have the third attitude, which is the one of the Good Samaritan. He's merciful. He's the one who has compassion upon his fellow traveller. And the scholar of the law rightly points out that the one who had mercy upon the traveller was the true neighbour. The Good Samaritan gives of his own time and of his own money to assist the injured man. And the twist in the story is that the Samaritan was supposed to be the outsider. The Samaritan was supposed to be the enemy. But what's interesting about the Good Samaritan is that he's not only willing to suffer the inconvenience of having to help this man, he also ponies up. He gives two denarii to the innkeeper to look after him to make good of his expenses. Now, you know, we learned a few weeks ago that a denarius is a day's wages. So two denarii, two days wages, you know, we're talking about a few hundred bucks here, not a measly sum. And he also promises to make good on whatever further expenses are coming. You might think it's a bit risky kind of signing a blank check like that. But this mercy, of course, this is the imitation of God himself. And the Lord Jesus points out that the Father causes the Son to shine on the good and the bad alike, on friends and enemies. To have compassion, to see all as potentially a neighbour, is to imitate God. And so this serves the answer to the original question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Be as God is. To love God means to become like him. Because at the end of the day, true friends, they come to resemble each other. In admiring the virtues of the other, we seek to imitate them. And so if you have a true friend, a good friend, you become like them. And so to be fit for eternal life is to be like God. And that means being merciful. That means recognising that the one who is my neighbour is in fact the one who is in need. Not the one who belongs to my tribe or the one who agrees with my mindset or my politics or my faith. It's the one who's near and the one who is in need. Now, I think in the face of all of this, though, um, in answer to this question, who is my neighbour, there's a bit of a temptation. Because I think we can be lulled into this kind of false sense of security and imagining that, well, the needy are the ones who are, you know, kind of a long way away. 
they're the ones that we support by means of, you know, Catholic missions or Project Compassion or, you know, they belong to the developing world where their most basic needs are not being met. And so, you know, when we fill up a Project Compassion box at Lent, that we've done our bit in order to love our neighbour. But look more carefully at the answer that Jesus gives to this question. Who is my neighbour? And the point that Jesus makes, I think, in the parable, and one that I think we can be tempted to overlook, the neighbour is the one you encounter. It's the one you meet. It's the one who's right in front of you. It's a lot easier to hold it at arm's length and imagine that the needy are the ones out there. And if they're a long way off, then perhaps not quite so bothered by them. Well, let me give you one little suggestion. How about we start each day taking to ourselves the question that the lawyer poses Jesus? Who is my neighbour? Today, Lord, who is my neighbour? Who has a claim on my love? Who has a claim on my care for the sheer fact that they're close to me, that I meet them? that I encounter them on the road. The first thing i got to do is see them. And then i got to care about them. And then i got to do something. And when I do that, what's the fruit? It's not just that I end up helping someone in need, as you know, precious and important as that is, but the transformation also happens within me. It makes me more like God who is merciful, and it fits me to live with him for eternity in heaven. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Love God with everything I've got, and love my neighbour, the one I meet, as myself. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.
Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.